Welcome, everybody. Welcome back, actually, to our first podcast-only, sitting-near-somebody podcast of draft politics in a long, long time. Uh, it's EJ. It's our 50th episode, and with me always is the birthday boy. It's Steve here. Uh, yeah, so I'm sitting... Uh, a, a little bit over six feet, actually, uh, from EJ. We both have our beers. We are, but we are in person. It's, it's weird. Our, you you look so different now. I know. I, I I look much older. His his hair is literally down to his ankles. Everybody, it's it's, it's, it's quite it's, scary. It is creepy. I look a little like cousin It. Yes, but in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. In oh, a good way. Of course. And this so. is just one of these things, right? Where. Everybody's trying to do the things that make them feel more normal, and this is one of the things for us. We've got our normal pretzel bites. As you may remember, we always try to get pretzels from the place we're at. I asked Steve to make some. Uh, he was unable, so I picked some up on the way over. We hand sanitized each individual pretzel nugget, and we're sharing them again Yes, I, so. I saw that on a YouTube video, that that is the correct way to eat pretzel nuggets now, is you yes. sanitize each one. I, I thought about mixing the hand sanitizer into the mustard. I thought that would be a good, a yes, good mix. Yes, a good hybrid solution. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, because um. we know just you know those kinds of things will kill any COVID inside of you. Not that yes. I have had any, yes. but you know, and and it probably doesn't have any tremendous side effects. So no, it'll be fine. None at all. Yeah, so. none at all. Uh, yeah, and so we were we, as we were setting this up, I was thinking we we're going to do this elaborate, like, I was going to do, like, a Zoom video, and we'd have, like, a third-person camera, like, seeing us at the table, and then EJ's like, you know, we could just do this old school, and I'm like, you know what, that sounds easy, let's yeah. just do that. I, yeah, you know, and I think people are tired of looking at me. That's right. I just assume, and I'm taking that from my sampling, uh, doing the polling of my house, where 100% of the people in my house are tired of looking at me, so... I'm just assuming that goes for everybody, too. I'm going to extrapolate a little bit. Yes. Registered voters, likely voters, everybody. <laughs> everybody. So, uh, to get things started, uh, you have brought beer. Um, to, you know, in the interest of, of safety, he brought his beer. I have my beer. What is your beer, sir? Well, today, I have, because we're outside and it's beautiful, um, I have a revolution beer called Freedom of Speech. And it's spelled S-P-E-A-C-H. It's a session sh sour. So uh, on the lighter side, very sessionable, really, really nice, uh, very drinkable. I, I will tell you that I did a drizzly order yesterday, and it just kind of popped up. Uh, and I was like, well, okay, we will see how that goes. And it's, it's delicious. What about you? You've got a large bottle I got a, of Yeah, something. I got a big bottle of uh, Half Acres Loire Hut. Uh, it is a it's a sour. Um, actually, here I suppose I should read the label and give the proper introduction to this beer. I mean, that's a 750 mil. Uh, it, the the label's a little torn up, so we'll see how this goes. Loire Hut is an attempt to emulate the flavor profile of oh simulate the flavor profile of Loire Valley red wines without the use of grapes. A blend of three mixed culture beers aged on a second use fruits and refermented. With five separate puree. Okay, I'm I'm already bored. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be a wine-like beer, I guess. Uh, it is quite good. Uh, it is fizzier than your average Loire wine, I believe, but <laughs> uh, but delicious nonetheless. Yeah, so. and it's got a lovely color. Like seeing it from eight feet away, it's yes, it looks very nice. Yes, and it I got it in nice. the half-acre glass, even just to sort of I see. Keep it I, consistent, I didn't so. have a uh, a Revolution glass to bring with me, so I'm wearing a Revolution shirt. All right. With penguins, as you do. Yes. 
As and, you do. And we're outside, which means we have a bee-like creature buzzing us. Uh, it's kind of an odd color. It's sort of like <laughs> very dark and then has like like very light yellowish, whitish kind of stripes going yeah. on. So I have no idea. Not a murder horn. It has though. not eaten us yet, no. so it is no. probably not the murder horn. Nardus falls as far as we know. Um, uh, we've got a new segment uh, this time that I put in, and it's essentially this week in FU to 2020. Yes. 2020, a year that feels like an unending version of the 12 days of Christmas, but each time is 2020 <laughs> gave to you... It's- a kick in the whatever or well, a big it's, sandwich. It's a pile of, of shit. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, you know, yeah. if, if it's a lump of coal, you're, you're already, you're ahead of the game. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, and like, while 2020 is giving us all kinds of terrible things, this week was just, just being a dick. Like, it's like, where did that come from? Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot. Uh, we're definitely going to talk a lot about what's happened in Kenosha and, and that whole situation, which was last Sunday if you can believe it, only last Sunday. Uh, but in the intervening days, um, Chadwick Bozeman has passed away uh, from, from cancer, uh, which he's been battling for four years. I had no idea. Um, yeah, and, and my experience of that was I was over at a friend's place, socially distanced. I come home, I bring up my Facebook on my phone, and it says stuff about Wakanda. And I'm like, is this a... Is this a Kenosha play? Like, what's what's going on here? And then found out what happened. I'm like, God damn it! Yeah. And sort of closer to home, uh, the Tamale guy. And if you are from Chicago, you may have known. You know, around the city, there used to be a guy who would show up at bars. A couple guys actually. They'd show up at bars late with a cooler, and he had tamales in it. And the tamales were excellent, and they were very inexpensive, and it was all yeah, super unregulated. Yeah, it was unregulated. like three for five bucks yeah. or something like uh, that. Yeah. And super good. Everybody loves him on the north side. Um, you know, obviously, bars being shut down impacted his business and his livelihood. And then there was some, the city kind of took note of him suddenly, and we're like, hey, you can't be doing that. Um, so we opened a restaurant. Which was great, unbelievable. Sold out the first day. They sold out in something like twelve minutes. Yeah, it was like it was almost like it was a concert that Ticketmaster was scalping for. But no, it was tamales. And sold I'm out assuming the, first the way that the restaurant worked was you just sort of went to stand in line, and he would just walk through the line with a cooler full God. of tamales. But I hope so. Or you had to bring your own cooler, right, and just fill it up. Yeah, that would be great, like a hotel ice station. So the Tawali guy is in the hospital on a ventilator. Complications from COVID-19 right now. And the restaurant is shut down. Like, I audibly yelled, God damn it, when I heard that. I'm like, like, it seemed like it was like actually like kind of an almost like an upside of how all this played out. Like, you know, he's just kind of, you know, just street vendor or whatever. He's opened up a restaurant. Like, he's he's making it. He's having some success. And then... And then, of, co- of course. Uh, so hopefully he's okay. I mean, I know, yeah. like, being on a ventilator is usually not a good sign. Um, but, you know, it's something you can recover from. But um, And I heard his fever was coming down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, so he's been he's been in the ICU since Thursday. So, so uh, you I say. Claudio Vélez. Um, f*** you, 2020. F*** you, 2020. But Claudio Vélez, good thoughts coming your way. Get better. Get back to the tamales. <sighs> Big sigh. Yes. All right. So, how many days to the election? 
Uh, well, the notes say 66, and I'm just going to take it on faith that you got it right. I think I do have it right. Well, I think it is go. 66 days to the election. It's going to be the longest three years of our lives. Yes. Only Over three years. Next uh, that looks days. a little longer than three, but all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think as we do these podcasts over the next 66 days, I think you'll hear, you know, and I think it makes sense to structure things a little bit differently. You know, the the election is going to be, I think, one of three things that are that are all consuming. You yeah. Know, between the continued un, unrest around racial justice. Uh, the COVID, in case you've heard of it, and the election, they're all now pretty well intertwined. And Well, and it's, it's, it's funny to think about it is, like, going into an election year, if I told you, like, late October, early November, that the election might be the third most interesting talked-about thing in the news, you'd be like, that can't possibly be. Yeah. And yet, that might be the case. That might be the case. And I guess the polling on people right now is what's most important to you. And the plurality, and it's like 35 36% is COVID. Oh, yeah. Still. Um, and we'll talk about COVID and the numbers and, and whatnot. Because how can we not? <laughs> how could we not? How could we not? Because it's, it's all consuming. But I kind of want to start with the racial justice civil unrest side. Yes. Um, and and I'll say this that one of the things that I've really been struggling with personally is how to talk about some of these things and I think you know we're seeing that generally across media you know what words do you use for different things you know because you know we'll we'll talk about different cities and you know things that are happening and the words really matter right so yeah. you know when when there's a, a peaceful protest and then there's looting or, you know, destruction of property, you know, does that mean that the whole thing was a riot? Does that mean, you know, if the police declare a riot, does that mean there was no protest? Um, and I, I think that that's something that I, I'm just trying to be cognizant of and probably, probably getting wrong. Yeah. As usual. Well, you know, and as we talk about these things, it's like, it strikes me as, well, let's just put it this way. If we have peaceful protests and no riot slash looting, like anything that you're sort of going to define as like not peaceful protesting, whatever that is, if we didn't have those things, would we be talking about the peaceful protests at all? I think that is a great question and probably the other big problem here. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, you know, and I, so I struggle with that. Like I'm not, I'm not a fan of property destruction, but if you're going to sit here and talk to me about the importance of that versus the importance of black lives, it's a very easy conversation for me to have. Yeah. I know what the right answer is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so to me, it's like the way you address this is by addressing the, the root causes of the problem, police violence, um, disinvestment in, in cities, et cetera. And if you address that, then the protests are not as much of a thing because there's nothing to protest about, right? And et cetera. Right. Um, so you know the big news this week around that was in Kenosha. Uh, yeah. A, a guy named Jacob Blake was, you know, involved in some sort of domestic dispute. Uh, the police were called, and it ended up with him being shot seven times, point blank. In the back, yes, by an officer. 
Yeah. So he goes to get into his car, and and it's it's very clear that there's like some there's some conflict between him and the police there. Like it's not he hasn't hit them or anything like that. But there's just like you know he's clearly right. like sort of stomping away from him. one of the cops comes after him with his gun drawn. He's getting into his car. The cop goes in behind him in his car and, like, gun in back, starts shooting and shoots him seven times with his kids sitting in the car. And so whatever was going on there, he is unarmed. Like, there's, n- there's absolutely no reason that that makes any sense of the world. No. No, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, the... Of course, the the spin starts immediately, right? People, the police, Fox News releasing information about unrelated things, you know, arrests in the past and and whatnot. Um, But the protests started pretty much immediately. Yeah. And I think as they should. And I think it, it really spoke to how fragile things are. I mean, it was within hours, within hours. Yeah, the protests had had started in Kenosha, which is a very small town. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're not from this area, if you haven't been through there, Kenosha is not large. It's not a you know a bustling metropolis. It's right. smaller than Minneapolis. It's you know just about an hour and a half north, depending on traffic, of Chicago. You know, yeah. Um, and there was some destruction of property that that happened around the same time as the protests. That's how I've decided to say it. Okay. Because I don't think the same people who are protesting are the same people lighting things on fire. I think they're, you know, it's it's all people wanting to get their voices heard. Yeah. They're choosing different routes and, and to do various, that. And various, you know, there's frustration and, and different people are taking different approaches to it. And, you know, and I think, you know, you you can see in some of the stuff we've seen in Chicago where it's like, very clearly, there's some people who are sort of taking advantage of the situation, more targeted. You know, we're, we've got a U-Haul, and we're going to go drive up and rob a place. Like, that's that's different from, that's vastly different from people who are frustrated and, you know, smash a window. And, yeah. and that's further different from people who are peacefully protesting and, and right. know, all that. So, And, of course, the other part of this is that during one of the one of the nights of protest, uh, there were groups of vigilantes that were out there organized on Facebook. Yep, it, it should be said uh, with their rifles, their long guns, and one of them uh, decided that he had to shoot uh, shoot at the protesters and shot and killed two people and wounded another. Yeah, a seventeen year old from Illinois. Yeah. And you just, yeah, you know. and and there's so many layers to what's wrong here. I mean, it's like first of all, this kid was driven to this protest by his mom. He was not legally old enough to own the gun that he carried, either in Illinois or Wisconsin. He carried it across state lines. And let me repeat, his mom drove him to this. Yeah, and the police were thanking and supporting the the vigilantes and giving them water. And there, the video shows him walking past the police after he had killed the people. Yeah, and absolutely no reaction from them. Yep. So now you know there's he's been arrested, which is good. 
um, which is good. And the first of the hearings for his extradition uh, was supposed to happen this week, but it didn't because uh, his family has asked for more time to arrange counsel, which evidently is being paid for by some folks on the right. Maybe yeah. folks like Tucker Carlson. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> and so the, the other thing to say about this, and I, I think it is really telling about where we are, is that the press coverage has not resoundly said he was wrong. You know, so if you look at Murdoch-owned media, especially, they've got pictures of him cleaning up and calling, you know, saying he was defending. You know, I mean, they're, you know, whitewashing that story. And you look at it, and they're making excuses for him. I mean, this is the person that they you know, we'll, rare, we'll rail about, right? Because they'll say, well, there are, you know, agitators coming from other places who are really violent and starting all of these things, and they're Antifa, and they, no, and all of those things are true, except that last part about them being Antifa. Right. It's these folks who are coming, yeah. and these folks who are allowed to operate with impunity by the police. And, and if you are somebody who is constantly in fear of the police seeing what happened after that can only reinforce can only reinforce it oh for sure and by the way this is the other thing to be noted uh of course because this is 2020 there are people in kenosha being protesters being picked up in unmarked vans by the you know federal authorities unannounced so it's always dodge caravans though so you know dodge caravan the official unmarked vehicle of storm of fascism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so in Minnesota, right, where they've had, you know, obviously, you know, with George Floyd and everything surrounded that, you know, it's been very tense there all summer. Uh, the city council has been going through all of these hearings and they've got a special commission on the charter to talk about can they change the way the police are funded you know can they change the charter to address some of these things or at least to unlock the ability to address them um turns out they can't right now there was supposed to be a ballot measure it's not going to be on the ballot in november but we'll see how people carry on with that but there was an incident there where there was uh, someone was shot at a bus stop. The suspect was fleeing from police and shot himself. But the rumor went around instantly on social media that he was shot by the police. And that kicked off, you know, instant protests and, you know, fires and breaking into stores, you know, within, again, a few hours of that. Yeah. And it just speaks to the the lack of trust, the fragility of everything. Well, and, and ultimately, there's a social contract around all of that. There is the police are given a certain amount of authority and power and, and, and a freedom to use violence in a way that the average person is not. And in theory, there's supposed to be a compromise to that, that they are going to be somewhat of an independent arbiter of justice, however that's defined. Um, and... Th it's clear that that's not what's going on. 
Right. And it's been clear. And, you know, and it's important to point out, like, we have video of all this now, but it's not like it suddenly magically started happening once yeah. everybody had a, a phone with a camera. Um, and so until there is some effort to meaningfully improve that, and, you know, however you define that, is that defunding, is that abolition, is that... Um, some kind of reform, which I'm, I feel like is, you know, we've tried that and it's never really t- turned into anything useful. But the, the fundamental point is we, police need to stop killing unarmed black people. It's not that complicated. Yeah. And I, I think this idea that there is a difference of opinion about what keeps you safe, you know, and, and I think a lot of people, myself included, would argue that a well-functioning, equitable society keeps you safe. Well, it's not, it's not force, you know, it can't be just force. And if you look at, you look at countries that are measurably much, much safer than the United States, they have much smaller police forces yeah. who don't necessarily carry weapons. Yeah, and much less people in prison. Um, well, and... It, we talk about the fear around this. We talk about violence around this. And the reality is, is that for all of what you might think of in terms of looting and rioting and however you describe that, they're not hurting people, generally speaking. Like, I've seen, like, one or two incidents where somebody was, like, being overly, like, aggressively defending their business with, like, a sword or whatever. Like, like... I'm sure there are occasions where this boils over in some conflict. But generally speaking, they're not breaking into your home and hurting you. They're not shooting people. But the police are shooting people. Right. There are black people dying. It, it often gets lost what prompts the protests. Yeah. You know, so suddenly people forget that someone was shot seven times. Yeah. And And if... If white people cared more about black lives than they do about white property, we'd be in a much better place than we are. I would say just property in general. Yeah. Because I don't hear, like, and I've been having conversations with people where, and these aren't just, like, people on Facebook because that's its own thing, and they aren't people on Twitter, but, like, people I actually know who are very clearly freaked out and bothered by windows getting smashed and businesses getting broken into and all that sort of thing. And I have never heard them being alarmed and concerned about somebody like George Floyd or somebody like um, Jacob Blake. Yeah. I have to look up the names because the names are so long. Like, there's such a long list at this point. Yeah. And... (sighs) (laughs) You know, and I'm, I'm frustrated... And I'm a white person who is not having to be on the, the wrong end of all of this. And so, anyhow. Yeah, well... well this, this, is, this has been a this very fun been so get-together cheery. here, uh, EJ. Uh, very cheery. Good to see you. I mean, I, I, <laughs> and the, I think the other thing I'll say about that, and, and it's something that I've seen as a pretty consistent theme from folks that I know who have, you know, I would say more conservative viewpoints is sudden sudden care for even they'll say 
look, they're just destroying their own neighborhoods and their own neighborhood businesses. But these are also people who would say, you shouldn't invest in in any neighborhood that's not white. You know, don't well, invest no, in they cities. Would, they wouldn't say that, but they would just, you know, they, they, they have language to couch it so that they don't have to say that. Um, we'll talk about that. And yeah, the other thing I want, I kept, there was something else I want to mention. I kept thinking of it. Um, a comment from somebody I know was that don't make George Floyd into a hero. And I suppose he would similarly say, don't make Jacob Blake into a hero. Nobody's making anybody into a hero. It is recognizing that they are victims of violence that should not have been. And, yeah. and that is a fundamentally different thing. Like, we, we say their names because it is a tragedy that they have been injured and killed yep. by violence that should not have been visited on them. Like, if you're saying, okay, somebody broke a law, all right, fine, then they should pay a consequence for that. We can, we can have that conversation. That's fine. But you don't get killed for, you know, counterfeit bills. You don't get shot seven times in the back for somewhat angrily stomping into your minivan. I mean, anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and here in Chicago, I think it's been very interesting now that, the, you know, we had another night of of some unrest a couple of weeks ago and this week we had a public safety drill you know and they're putting up jersey barrier and you know jersey barrier those big and of course it's called jersey barrier but you know those big concrete, big concrete. you know they're about three Broad, feet yeah. high you know that you see in construction zones you know and we're raising the bridges and we're blocking off streets and we're you know slowing down the flow of traffic Gee. Do you remember when Chicago had a river instead of a moat? Yeah, I mean, there it is. I, I only, you know, I can only blame Christopher Nolan for sort of suggesting all of this. I think that's, that's really what happened. They were oh, like, okay. That's a great idea. <laughs> Batman begins, everybody. Uh, it's a <laughs> Batman reference, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And then there was the walk-away rally. Yes. That, that happened uh, over, not too far from me, over at Wrigley, apparently. Uh there was maybe a hundred people there. I, I, I saw like a video shot by one of the people who organized it. I didn't find any sort of independent counts of who was there, pictures, etc. And I was just like, maybe 50 to 100 people. Which actually, and, and it bothers me that that rally even exists. Especially that that rally is like on the anniversary of the March on Washington. Yeah. But in, in all of Chicago... That's how many people thought that was a thing they should show up and do. So, like, okay, that makes in the grand scheme good. of things, I'll consider that a, a, a net positive. That that's yeah. that we only have that many assholes. Yeah, there so. were there were more people at the Arbeit Macht Free or Ar Macht Fry uh, anti-mask rally downtown. So, well, there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, and something that should be noted is that the protests in Portland are still going on. It's been whatever sixty-three days. Yeah. Something like that. So, and yesterday, the March on Washington, uh, 57th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech, thousands of people in the mall. Uh, I think more than the inauguration in 2016 or 2017. Anyway, we can uh, play up that. Great. Um, so, and that was the Get Your Knee Off Our Next March, which I thought was 
It was really good branding. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was, I, I listened to some of the speeches and they were great. Uh, it was a very positive, positive event. You want to talk about something more fun like COVID? Sure. Let's talk about viruses. Why not? I've got to say that generally speaking, and I'm a I'm a numbers person and a data person, I am getting to the point where I'm overwhelmed by the sheer variety of numbers and feelings that I can't trust them. Yeah. I don't know well, how you feel about it. I, yeah, the other day I was curious because if you went back and you looked at like hospitalizations, you were looking at like you know, if hospitals were filling up, et cetera, there was like a bunch of articles about, you know, hospitals hitting your limits about a month ago. And then there wasn't anything after that. And yeah. I'm like, so I don't know what's going on. What happened to all those people? And <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, what are the statistics on this? And I Google that and it brings me to the CDC website and I look and it's, just, you know, looking like, oh, okay. And then I realize it hasn't been touched since July 13th. Hmm. Because that's, that's when they switched over to everything going through... Whatever that company through, is. They were all going through, was it HHS? Well, I mean, it was... DHS. They all had to go through uh, that company. Yes. That was then the, the reporting it company. up to, yes. you know, the hospital or health and human services instead of yeah. CDC directly. And that's now been reversed. Oh, okay. So, well. yes, that happened in the last week as well. They're like, actually, we don't know what we're doing. Send it back to the CDC. <laughs> You know, hey, credit to them for admitting they don't know what they're doing. That's, uh, that's I mean, a step but, in the right direction. I mean, who knows what those numbers look like? And actually, I was I was looking at, and this was my problem, I was looking at some of the, the statistics, and you see, you know, seven-week seven week, uh, totals, negative 11 deaths. Cool. I mean, that's very I mean, well, 2020. Well, except for that means maybe the zombie thing's getting I, started. I know, that's what I was like. Does that mean that they misreported things uh, or zombies? Yeah. I, either one is plausible yeah. in 2020. Um, and that's, uh, that's, been, you know, that's been a little frustrating. You know, again, just feeling like don't really know what's going on. Now, I don't know how that changes things for me personally all that much. I know that 184,000 people have died and we're still you know, on track for a thousand people a week or something like that, or 800 people a day. Sorry, it's 800 people a day-ish over the last seven days, um, which has been pretty steady for a while. Yeah. Uh, if things continue like that, that's another 55,000 people by the election. Well, we'll be over that uh, 200,000 mark that uh, Trump Big suggested league. might be winning. So yeah. there you go. I mean, uh, you know, Chicago and Illinois really going in interesting ways about it. You know, I, I, I liked when we had the little article that said, essentially, <laughs> Illinois was going to be in the quarantine, the quor hit the quarantine thresholds for Chicago. So I guess if you left the city, you'd have to quarantine yourself when you got back. Right. Um, I don't know if that's how that's, that's gone. Um, I, you know, I think... Pritzker is still doing the things that he was doing before. Yeah, and there, there's been some little tweaks to the rules. Um, you know, if you eat at a restaurant now, you have to have your mask on anytime that you're interacting with uh, the 
wait staff, mm. which is a new thing, which seems like common sense. And uh, but I'm glad that they're doing that to help protect the the people yeah. working there. It, it's good for that to be explicit. Yeah. Um, I will say Chicago's positivity rate has gone up above five percent, which yeah. was a you know a key. It's been threshold. right on the verge though for a while. Yeah. So yeah, it has been. Um, but a lot of the state, there's what twenty counties now that are all. Uh, on the warning zone or whatever that yeah. they're going to possibly rolled back some of that suburban Cook County. So yeah, and I can only imagine that that's going to get a little worse. You know, for a couple of reasons. The first being schools, right? So schools are starting up again. Uh, Chicago Public Schools goes back to school on the eighth of September. Um, and as a side note. I can't believe that it's almost September. Well, we yeah, go this, back. this century has gone by so quickly. <laughs> so we <laughs> go back on the 8th. It's all virtual in Chicago. But, you know, other schools started back and then immediately were like, hey, guys, uh, everybody's got the COVID. We got to shut it down. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's going to that's gonna continue to, to be a problem. And we know it's going to get cooler. And this is, you know, one of the things that, that I think you rightly called out very early. You know, about you know, people being inside is the problem. And so yep. southern states were better when it was, you know, cooler down, cool enough out there. You could be outside and it was worse here. And now as we will start to get to the cooler months, it'll probably get worse here. Yeah, you have to assume, um, you know, and I think about that coming time. And it's like, you know, what I've been doing to sort of keep my sanity is, having people over like this on my deck where it's like I can space out a bit and, you know, and it's pretty yeah. safe. I don't know how that's going to work, you know, when it's January. <laughs> I've seen your coat. It's pretty big. I yeah, think. I'm thinking, like, it's going to be get out the ski pants, you know, use some uh, some little uh, space heater type things. Yeah. Hot toddies. Like, we'll make it work. See, there you go. If you only had that hot tub still in your deck. Right? There you go. <sighs> so, you know, I think... It'll be interesting to me to see how people continue to to absorb this and, yeah. you know, how numb people are getting to it. Um, I hope they don't, right? I hope people are still concerned. I think it's unacceptable that, you know, yeah. a thousand well, I mean, I think people it's, a day it's, are dying. It's, it's hard to be vigilant for this long, mm -hmm. you know, and and as much as you try, it's like, there's always a temptation that's like, well, maybe this is fine. Maybe yeah. this is no big deal. And then, and now suddenly you're at that barbecue that winds up on the news, and and right, you know. and not for the amazing brisket, and not for the amazing brisket, though, probably has solid brisket. I mean, if you're going <laughs> to risk your life, you may as well get good it's brisket true. out of it. So maybe that's the way you. That's the tagline. Yeah, it's a brisket so good, you'll risk a super spreader event. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I, want brisket now. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I want to talk about a couple things internationally. I, you know, there are things going on, but I just can't care uh, about most of it. I, I got to be honest. I, I should care more. I should absolutely care more. I just no mind space, right? Yeah. But I'd like to have two mini segments every every time. The first is who has Putin poisoned this week? I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, that was Valny this last week, and I love I love it. What? Well, uh, he was drinking some tea, suddenly screaming in pain, taken to the hospital. They wouldn't let him see, wouldn't let anybody see him for a while. 
wouldn't let him be moved to Germany. Then they move him to Germany. The Germans are like, oh, yeah, totally poisoned. Like, of course he was poisoned. That's well, what they do. It's a bit more of an acute case than Putin tends to do. Like, Putin's much more of a, like, I'm just going to slowly poison you with, like, radiation. So you die a slow, horrible death later on. Like, that feels like it's a little aggressive for him. Uh, I, you know, I was living in London when, uh, and I have forgotten his name off the top of my head, which is is poor of me, was poisoned at the Itsu Sushi place uh, right right by Buckingham Palace. That was not a that was that was pretty aggressive. Yeah. As was the 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 poisoning and a very similar poisoning of uh, the Russian national and his daughter in Coventry. Yeah, you know, just like, well, yeah, we're just totally doing it. Just spray it on the food, inject it, whatever we got to do. Um, but it was two different things. So, the the person at Itsu Sushi was a radioactive isotope. Yeah, much like Levchenko or whoever in, in yeah, the Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. So hey, you know, you know, and I, I will give him credit. There's a there's a, a medieval quality to, yeah. to what he's doing that you know I, I kind of respect. You know, if you're going to kill your opponents, at least have some flair. You know. <laughs> He, he does yeah, you that. You can just shoot him, but... Yeah, exactly. And now, the second part is, is Kim Jong-un alive? Maybe. Maybe. I think that's going to be the answer every week, right? Yeah. yeah. That'll, be, that'll always be the answer. Yeah. I love how it's like, every time you see a headline, it's a picture of his sister looking very, very intense. You know, I love the thought that, like... Okay, this is all questionable because we're talking about, like, dictators running countries and nuclear weapons. But I love the thought that, like, his, his sister is just, like, some badass who just took him out and is just quietly running the show. Like, it's certainly a better story than, than Kim Jong-un. So. Yeah, I mean, but imagine the headlines. North Korea has female leader before United States. Oh, yeah. What does that <laughs> summit look like between Trump... And I, I don't know what her name is. I, I, I hate referring to her as Kim Jong-un's sister because it's like she's a non-entity. So, so can you Google this real quick because yeah. I feel bad. <laughs> I, I, should, I should have known that. Uh. Uh, Kim Yo-jong. Kim Yo-jong. Kim Yo-jong. And of course, you know, when I tried to Google Kim Jong-un's sister, the second thing that came up was anime. So, all right. Thanks, thanks Internet, for being very on brand. <laughs> At least it wasn't mag- or, uh, manga. Right. But still, yeah, I mean, okay. Okay. Well, let's see. We'll just keep that going. Yeah. I do, and I also like... <laughs> like 50 years from now, it'll be like... Who right, knows? We assume he's still alive. We don't know. We still don't know. He, he hasn't aged in his photos. But then they can, you know, Photoshop him a little bit and age him. Yeah, and my, my assumption is that they'll just keep recycling video clips of them. Oh, yeah. I wonder how much B-roll they have. I mean, how much... Yeah, I mean, they've got to have plenty of film of him, like, walking into a, a venue with a bunch of people, like like, yeah. obediently clapping for him. Against like a sort of a, a just a beige, unnoteworthy background. Maybe possibly lime a green, green screen. So they can, yeah, ex- <laughs> yeah, I could see him green screening it. All right, so uh, let's get to what you know the artist formerly known as Circus Twenty Twenty. 
You know, I feel like at least the RNC part of this is still a circus. So there is that, but but it's once again the the, <laughs> the Calliope music is very minor key and yeah. weird at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Election Circus 2020. I mean, it's 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 hard to know what to call this whole thing. But I think it's well described by the, it's going to be the longest three years of our lives in the next 66 days. Yes. Election 2020, the longest three years of our lives. Because it's going to be, it's going to be very bad. And, you know, we're, we're going to, I think, focus on the presidential race, obviously, today, though I think it, it should be noted that it's worthwhile for everybody to be paying attention to Senate races yeah, you know, in and places honestly, like Iowa and Maine. And I feel like the Senate races are going to end up being more important in the grand scheme of things. I mean, certainly if you're putting some time in, you're, you're sending some money, like that's where you should be doing it. Because if, if Biden wins and Trump goes away, but we don't have the Senate, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> Because because yeah. McConnell's not going to do anything. Like, will he improve even like cabinet appointees? So just just keep that in mind, everybody. Yeah. If you want to get literally anything done to fix any of all the shit that's broken, put some time on the Senate. And you know, I think right at the end we'll talk a little bit about getting involved and in, and in things like that. Yeah. And I think that that's you know, Senate races are are but, important. Let's talk about the all-important thing in election politics, and that's polls. Oh, man, I love the polls. I, <laughs> I've got to tell you, like seeing you know, the 538 forecast came out, and I felt like I just needed to send an apologetic email to everybody I work with. Saying, I'm sorry, I'm going to be staring at this incessantly for the next you know, <laughs> right. 70 days or, or whatever it was when it came out. Um, you know, and polls are polls, right? So they're 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 fallible. Um, if we look at them right now, Biden is up some amount nationally, um, you which know, doesn't matter. Yeah, like eight, about eight eight and a half percent. You know, sort of the average of polls. And look, I think that that's a. There are some there are some correlations one can draw from those kinds of things, if they continue and. And I think the the amazing thing is how steady that's been, you know. Um, and I think the other really important part of that is that, you know, Biden is above 50 percent, right? And and for as much as, and I'm, look, I'm looking for anything to give myself hope um, or comfort, is that Hillary Clinton was never above 50 percent. Yeah, and and it's it's always a fine line between, like, you want to have hope. You don't want to get yourself too optimistic. You don't want to get yourself depressed such that you, like, it's like, whatever it is that will motivate you the best, like, do yeah. that. It's <laughs> a good, that's a really good point. Because um, we need that motivation. And I think state polls, uh, he's also up in, in the important ones, you know, Florida, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Arizona. Um, so, again, 
hopefully these polls are are you know tracking true you know i'm sure there's some you know there's some enthusiasm gap there's there you know there are some things that are going to take um you know that are going to close that up as we get closer to the election i'm sure um i think it's important to note that these are numbers that's that have come out since the conventions yeah so at least at this point there really hasn't been a bump uh for for either of them no trump bump trump bump which is kind of fun to say yes uh so there you go uh, i'm not going to be able to stop looking at the polls even <laughs> even, even if I they don't mean anything yes it feels like they are channeling the future of the universe through a spreadsheet on yeah. a website yeah so there you go but the so, DNC. Let's talk about let's the talk conventions about the DNC, because yeah. uh, let's go in chronological order. Yeah, and and this was fascinating, right? Because um, you know, before the convention started, you know, some of the wisdom was like, "Look, the Democrats have been planning to do it virtually for months, and so it's going to be really well run. It's going to be they they've got it all planned out. They've really taken their time." Although, if you saw, did you see the pictures on Twitter of the guy who was kind of running everything? No, the guy, the control booth. Was a dude's living room. He had like twenty six TVs. You oh, know, sure. In there, um, you know, <laughs> he's just sitting there chain smoking. Oh man, I mean, <laughs> doing lines. I mean, he was exactly the guy. <laughs> no, no, no. That was definitely reserved for the RNC. The lines, but he was definitely we'll the guy you're picturing. <laughs> you know, sitting there like shorts, long hair, just, just oh god, just trying to make it through. I'm sure he's still asleep. Um, but it was. You know, I think overall it was pretty well done. Uh, I don't know. The, I, I guess the first big takeaway or key message I thought I got out of it was, you know, we ref, you know, the, the party reflects the people, right? So they really emphasized, you know, people of color and diversity um, and age and all of the things that you would expect from you know, a party that's trying to push a progressive message. Yeah. Um, the second thing, you know, a lot about Biden and, and really making him, I didn't know you, you really needed to make him more likable, but like he's a stand-up guy. You should like Joe Biden. He's gone through some really hard things. Um, he likes you because he's like you, you know, and you all have shared experiences and he's, a, he's, he's somebody that's very approachable. Uh, there was so much on that. Yeah, I, I feel like the key there was establishing as what a that he's a human being and he's somebody who like cares about people in a pretty deep way, and and a very clear contrast to Trump, right? Because that's like yeah. like no like you might be a fan of Trump, but you don't believe he's like a, a deeply sympathetic human being who cares about you know yeah. a random. A random homeless person or whatever. Like, that's not Trump's thing, but it is definitely Biden's thing. And, and I will say, like, as much as I walk, wandered into the DNC virtually, um, thinking, you know, I'm going to vote for Biden because, you know, duh. It was helpful to me to be reminded of that he's actually a good guy in general. I mean, like, there mm -hmm. are policy differences I have with him. You know, he's got a bad history on a few things. But overall, like... He is somebody who cares about other human beings in a way that that is way beyond anything that Trump could ever do, and yeah. it's and and it makes it easier for me to vote for him in a way that I 
wasn't necessarily before mm. that. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good that's a really good point. I mean, I, I if the the last several months have focused anything for me, it's been you know how do we bring empathy into parts of our lives that we hadn't thought about bringing it into before? Yeah, um, and so their focus on empathy, I thought, was really really good, and and also you know they there was a a lot of message on how terrible Donald Trump is, just how weak he is. Yeah, um, really trying to troll him a little bit, and then vote, 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 vote. Vote. Text 303 Text vote to 303 I'm glad they've salvaged that number. I know. Thanks, guys. Couldn't get... Just I, make it I easier. did, as an experiment, text 303 just to see what would happen. And, and it starts off with registering you to vote or making sure your vote... Yeah. Regist- your, your vote... You're registered to vote. Just confirming all that. And then it starts into like, hey, get it, you know, trying to get you to do things for of the course. campaign. Of course it is. Like, which, you know, I knew, but I just yeah. was curious. You knew that was happening. Yeah. You, that happens in every campaign. Yeah. Um, what were your highlights? I mean, I, I don't know how much you watched. I watched I watched a, a fair pretty bit. much all of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly the primetime stuff. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing, I think, was the state roll call. As tedious as it ultimately is, there were just such wonderfully weird moments in that. And I think it's like, overall, the DNC had this... Like it was, it was clearly well constructed. They were able to manage to make this work, but it still had a vaguely amateur vibe to it in parts because it's some person recording themselves on yeah. their laptop somewhere or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the state roll call was probably my favorite of that. Like the random uh, calamari appetizer in Rhode Island, like that, that a, a chef ninja with a pile. of... Fried calamari, <laughs> which I love. I love fried calamari. Don't get me wrong, but that was hysterical. I, um, you know, I did not know that was a Rhode Island thing. I, I definitely learned not be. some things. It may be a complete lie. It, yeah. it may just be like, oh well. Every time I think of calamari, now I'm thinking of Rhode Island, and I've, I've never thought to visit Rhode Island. <laughs> which actually, I highly recommend going to a Rhode Island. Um, there is a very weird thing they have during the summer. It's like fire water fest or something like that. I forget what it's called exactly. But they have a they have a, a, a river that runs through the heart of uh, downtown uh, Providence. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have like boats with like torches on them. And it looks like there's going to be a ritual sacrifice, to be completely honest. It is super weird, but in Good. a cool way. I'm here for that. Um, there's like weird, like funky bands playing and stuff and like it's it's definitely something to check out at some point like and it's in new england so you could go through like 12 different states in like 30 minutes so it's not like it's out of the way if you're in that area so do they like launch the calamari from the boats um i believe the calamari like come up and like actually consume the the human sacrifice at some point i see it's like the kraken yeah yeah Yeah. and then once they've consumed it they kill that and then, and yes, and then the, that... And that, they fry that calamari. Yes, and yeah, and then perfect. the Kraken yeah, is smited, sense. they make Makes appetizers sense. out of I, it. Yeah, and I... As you do. I really loved that roll call, again, for the for those kinds of things and showing the diversity of the party and, and really so many of the folks were, you know, normal folks, yeah. right? And and I think that that was one message they were trying to get, get across. Yeah. Like, we are... 
it, you know, it we're was, not one kind of person. I don't know if you you noticed this, but it, uh, something I saw was there was a lot of commentary and criticism about what was being done at the DNC that seemed very clearly by people who weren't watching it. Like, mm. oh, there's too many Republicans talking about it, uh, talking at the DNC. Like, well, have, did you watch it? Because it was like three minutes of Republicans talking. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're dominating the whole thing. Yeah, and there or, was always one Republican. Yeah, there. I mean, it was like there was, each night there was like a two or three minute block of, you know, Colin Powell and, and yeah. you know, people like Kasich. that. You know, um, and there was people talking about how they're, you know, they're not trying to reach out to young voters. And like, first of all, I can't imagine there's a lot of young voters who are tuning into the DNC. No. But but Billie Eilish, is that her name? The, yes. the musician? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't believe she's an appeal to boomers. I could be wrong, but. <laughs> uh, you know, I actually found the music musical interludes to be super weird there was one where it was like i took the wrong pill like some weird kind of video thing uh, i don't remember it was i i, I found all of those a little weird although i liked the common uh the one with with common and somebody else i but but mostly i found those a little weird and just like i found julia Louis Dreyfus a little weird and a little flat. That was totally off key. It like, was t- <laughs> every night they had a different MC for the yeah. event, and they all had a very similar tone to them. Like it was until her, and then she had this weird comedic tone tone that just didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, it didn't work. I think partially, if you remember or watched Veep, you know there was no laugh track in Veep. And so you didn't know if something was supposed to be funny, and that's exactly what it felt like. <laughs> yes. I, like was that a was that a joke? And, and she used the same affect and the same tone of voice when she was talking about her own health concerns, right? And other things. And so I'm like, what? Wait, hold on. Was that a? Am I laughing at? Am the, I supposed I to laugh at this? I don't, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't know. The only well, thing the I whole, liked, like, and I, yeah, pence, go ahead. Ponds, poons, like I don't. Like I, I found that kind of funny. I, I, because I didn't. I'm like, what is she, what is she even doing? Like I was completely confused by it. Is is where it started, and I'm like, and, and then I'm like, is this really what we're doing now? I, like the other side, like they they can't pronounce Kamala's name, which is Kamala, not Kamala. I've I've gotten better or about Kamala. This. Kamala. I mean, uh, I, I I thought that was hilarious, and I suspect. That there will be thousands of cats this year named Vice President Poonce. So there you go. Okay. We'll see. Vice President Pounce. You know, all of those work. Yeah. All of those all work right. for cat names. All right. Fair enough. Um, I really liked the Obamas. I really, I, I always love Michelle Obama. She was very sort of like, pack a lunch. Yeah. Get out and vote. And that was something I thought was really interesting was how much time was spent on Telling people not to to go out and vote, vote by yeah. mail, essentially, get yeah. ready to vote in person. Yeah, I thought you her know. speech was good. Um, yeah. Even if it it's was early, whatever. Me, I felt like Obama be kind of prepared to vote to to do what you need. He to wasn't do to quite be his usual Obama. Like I feel like it was a little toned down relative to his usual kind of speech. And I think to some extent, in an effort to not upstage Biden, yeah. who I think delivered a pretty good speech. Um, you know, and I think that there was a. 
a sentiment of, you know, he's ge- he's getting old and they're hiding him and all this sort of stuff. And and you saw this exact same thing play out with in the debates when, you know, there was this notion of like, oh, you know, B- Biden can't hold up against Bernie for a whole debate. And then he cleaned his clock. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> and and so, you know, I felt like there was a similar vibe here of like they kind of set low expectations around what Biden would do. And they delivered a, I would say, not not an elite speech, but it was certainly well above average and yeah. and, and and a good speech. Yeah. And although I did not. I did not, you know, walk away from that thinking, well, you know, they were talking about him being low energy and that was completely high energy and really exciting and like inspirational. It wasn't. It wasn't. I thought again, I thought it was a good speech. Yeah. I thought it was succinct. Um, it was notably short, you know, twenty five minutes ish. I think that yeah, I think it's definitely one of those situations where shorter is better. Like yeah. you don't oh, yeah. need to spend all day up there. No. And uh, and I think it goes to the general strategy of the campaign, which is we're not gonna God. Yeah. Right. We're gonna we're gonna pretty much stay the course, be pretty steady, yeah, and and go for it. Now, let's uh, you know. Here's a question: Did it matter? Right? Like, did no. people watch it? Did <laughs> you know? I, I was thinking about this is because I, I, we think about conventions and ev- and traditionally and year to year, it's like, oh, there's a big bump from the convention, and but the bumps always go away. Yeah. They never really are any permanent feature. What I think is actually the useful thing about the conventions is it is a, a moment to get the party all on the same page and, and unified in some fashion. And so, I, don't, I mean, as much as it's a public-facing event, I think it's much more about how do the people who are invested in the party feel about what just happened. Mm-hmm. And I think last, in 2016, there was a lingering sense of, Clinton's people being rude to Bernie's people and there was a lot of fractious kind of like it didn't feel unified in any way shape or form and and you can we could get into why and the dynamics of that but this I felt like it was pretty much everybody's on the same page we got a good consistent message and everybody feels pretty comfortable with it you saw people who were nominally Sanders supporters who are backing Bernie, like, and, or excuse me, Sanders supporters backing Biden, uh, Sanders backing Biden. Um, you saw a few people trying to, like, cause trouble with all of it, like, oh, AOC didn't get any speaking time, even though she got as much speaking time as Bill Clinton did. Um, you know, but I think overall, it seemed like it was a pretty unified Yeah, yeah. no, message. I think they, they, they did a good job at that, and I think... You know, showing that unification and showing the the breadth of the party was was important. Yeah. Um, now let's talk about the RNC. Yes. I mean, now I was very disappointed with the RNC because what I was expecting. Oh yeah. Was WrestleMania basically like now yeah, some of the Dana speeches White were borderline WrestleMania, yeah. but but it wasn't quite what I was hoping. For. Now I was expecting it to be really really thrown together and it was probably thrown together but it was much more it was much more cohesive than i expected yeah well you know and the reality of it is is that there are 
Trump has not driven away all of the professionals within that organization. No, there are people who still know what made. they're doing. There's still a lot of money being circulated around there. Um, you know, so, and, and, you know, I tuned in one night of the four, and it ended up like I was, it, it made me actually a little nervous because I felt like, you know, if you didn't have any independent fact-checking, if you were in the bubble and you were watching that, you can come away with, this is a party that is, uh, you know, exactly what I thought it was. We're not a racist party. We're not racist people. You know, we, we believe in, you know, exceptionalism of individuals and people working hard and, you know, and a lot yeah. of those sort of standard messages that are bullshit. Um, but, you know, if you watch that on TV and you were inclined to believe that in the first place, I can't imagine you walking away thinking that, oh, this is clearly a clown show. Like, you know, you watch no. Melania's speech... You know, uh, yeah, which I thought was probably the best speech of the entire. Yeah, I, I don't, I didn't know when, uh, when uh, Michelle Obama said that speech, but yeah, you know, I mean, it was, was a pretty good one. I, I think that I had a similar takeaway. Like, I was hoping it for for it to be a dumpster fire. It was not. Um, they very clearly had a strong emphasis on finding. I think a hundred percent of the. African American and Latino Republican voters. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean ultimately Trump wants to be able to peel away a couple percent of the black vote in the right places however he's going to do that. And well, so Well, I think that and giving people permission to vote for him. Yeah. I think that's the other thing. Well, I, it was interesting is like you had a whole bunch of things that were all very much of the the Republican Party is not racist. America is not racist. They didn't really go so far as to say Trump is not racist. They just didn't <laughs> talk about him. Yeah, that's true. And that was Nikki Haley who said, I think, yes. that very thing. Right? Yes. Nikki Haley who said America is not racist. Even though, you know, her name is not her original name because her original name is a far more ethnic sounding well, name than Nikki Haley. What I thought was very interesting is Nikki Haley started her speech by saying, I've faced a lot of discrimination because of my Indian heritage. Yeah. Time passes in her speech. Yeah. America's not racist. Right. Like, well, please tell me which it is. Yeah. Right. And there were other things like, you know, as an immigrant from Puerto Rico, no, that's not how it works. Right. Like, yeah. like just those things. Um, there, you know, as you would expect, and so this was on brand. There was a lot of, you know, there were a lot of contradictions and lots of cognitive dissonance. Yes. Um, but also, it did, also there was a lot of cocaine. Oh my word! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. Holy shit! And Guilfoyle, right? Like both yeah. of them just screaming, sweating, yeah, yeah, wild like, just, eyes. Just go back and look at video of Donald Trump Jr.'s eyes during his speech, and they're like just. Yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> it was pretty astounding. Yeah. And when I got a text from somebody, because I wasn't watching it live. You're welcome. <laughs> and somebody said, you should turn this on. And I turned it on, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> it is. It was, it was wild. And he, you know, and of course, what he should have done was said nothing about it, but then had to come out and say, it was just very hot. It was yeah. very hot there. 
You don't sweat through your eyes. You know, like, it's oh, not. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think the other thing that I, you know, would say it was really interesting was, and again, very much on brand, was this idea that, you know, rules don't apply to them or, or norms don't apply. So, you know, there is a thing called the Hatch Act that essentially says if you were in government service, you can't, okay. can you I, can't can spend I? our, you know, the, the people's money promoting a candidate. Okay. You've already, you're already bored the hell out of me. Can I try it? Can yeah. Can I try this? Okay. Because when like, well, it's the Hatch Act. It's a lot of... Uh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, it, 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 they stole your taxpayer money to pay for their political campaign. That's a much better way to say it. Done. Yes. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they broke the law and spent your money. I, I mean... And they just don't care. <laughs> they just don't care. Right? I mean, well, I mean, if we're talking about in these like abstract, like you know, nuances of subtle laws, like no, 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 like this is corrupt behavior. Right. It is part of an endless series of right. corrupt behavior. Hey. Your tax money has gone to Trump's hotels to house Secret Service people just because. Just, <laughs> just because. And Honestly, when- I'm very shocked. That the entire thing wasn't at his hotel. Uh, yeah, me too. Actually, that was there must have been a, bit, a pretty strong debate. Yeah, but he's like, "Can I look like Mussolini on my balcony in a hotel, yeah. or can I only do that at the White House?" Yeah. That was probably the thing. Right. I mean, because he came out on that balcony like El Duce, it just you know, hands up. Uh, yeah, it, it actually reminded me of the Onion article where they said like. You know, Bill Clinton names himself president for life, and they had the picture of him like the you know faux military garb yeah. with the big sunglasses. But I mean, like he walked out. I'm like, whoa! And I then miss- I saw Melania's dress, and I was like, that is green screen green, and this is going to provide some entertainment tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you very much. No is- personal favorite was the repeating clip of Jeffrey Epstein and Trump at a party together on Melania's dress as she walked around. Oh. My favorite was the running uh, tally of the number of people who have died of COVID on her dress. Well, that that can't be a favorite. <laughs> yeah, but still good. Yeah, I, I, and again, it's like, do people care about that? Why not? You know, like, why why don't you care, especially people who are conservative and, like, too much government and that's too big. No, like, I, mean, I don't want to pay my taxes. The thing is, definitely they, don't want your taxes they, going to that, right? They care about it if you frame it the right way if you're going to talk about some esoteric law that's not going to that's not going to hit home with them i think if you talk about corruption yeah if you call I mean, it now the, the act grant, to prevent pernicious political activities that'll get them every time i i, I having had pernicious. conversations with family members who are of a republican bent mm-hmm. i know how the conversation plays out because i can at least get them into this is corrupt now the the follow-up is but democrats do it too even though they don't. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you remember that time Obama's re-election thing was at the White House? No? No, you don't? No, you don't. Yeah. Because it didn't happen. Because it didn't happen. Right. Because um, both sides don't. Yeah. No pernicious political activities there. Um, but again, you know, in that, did it matter? You know, I think it probably mattered for some people. You know, I think there are some people who were 
on the fence about feeling too guilty to vote for Donald Trump who are Oh, one clever thing that they did during the RNC. um, You notice that during primetime they didn't have the, the roll call of the states? I did notice that. What they did was they did it during the middle of the day because then all of the cable networks would cover it because it's a big news thing. Hmm. And then they had all the prime time to do whatever the hell they wanted. Hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't nearly as cool as the DNCs. They were probably oh, like, no. actually, we can't do that. It's just going to be 50 white people. <laughs> because everybody who's non-white is is already doing something else for right, us. Right, right. Is already doing something. Yeah, I mean, you know, Herman um, Cain. Oh, oh, mm. too soon. <laughs> hey, he's still tweeting. Still tweeting. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> he's still tweeting. So, uh, you know, I think it did matter. Again, we'll see what the polls do in the next couple of days. But I, I think I think it gave some people the air cover they need. They're probably still in the bubble anyway because, and this is the thing that I think everybody should really hit on: the ratings were way below the DNC. Bad ratings. Bad ratings, Don. And that was probably because the first night was like, actually, things are, they've kind of got some stuff together. People are like, well, I'm not watching that. <laughs> I was watching it for, you know, people on fire. It's going to go the train wreck fascination. Yes. But yes. There's no train wrecks. What's the point? Yeah. I don't, uh, please. I don't want to hear the same crap every time. So we're 66 days out. What are you doing to get involved? What are you doing? Uh, well, I'm sending a lot of money to a lot of different campaigns, uh, sending money to Biden's campaign, sending money to Riding with Biden, fair fight action, uh, sending money to the Wisconsin State Democratic Party. Um, thinking about doing like postcard to voter type things. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's got some value to it. Um, We've got a huge stack of postcards for Michigan voters. Yeah. I feel like calling people is pointless. Uh, but maybe I'll do some texting. I don't know. I'm actually thinking what I want to do is focus more on Senate stuff mm-hmm. than on because I figure like Biden gets the ups, upside of any any good yeah. performance of a Senate candidate. Yeah. Um, but if true. we don't get the Senate, in, then none of this is going to matter. I don't know. Like if we don't get the Senate, I know it would be bad. But well, if, we gotta, if we, Biden we, wins, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But I also think there is a, a pretty strong take there. I think that I think that a a Biden win of eight points probably means the Senate. A Biden win of two points probably means it's not. Maybe it's split. Yeah. Um, but the, I think focusing on the Senate is good. I'll, I'll tell you that I'm, I'm sort of in this sort of in-between of, uh, I really want to work on fair tax stuff yes. here in Illinois. Yes, that's the other thing I was thinking um, about. You know, I think Senate stuff in Iowa, I think Iowa's winnable. Um, I think Colorado winnable. Um, I think Mark Kelly is just going to win in Arizona. I don't yeah. think I don't think he needs us. Yeah, I mean, I think what it boils down to is, you know, I'm gonna look at where I feel like a little bit of extra help is gonna ha- go the furthest, yeah. and, and and put my resources there, yeah. and right. and hopefully that works out. You know, um, I think Katie my and I original are both plan, doing poll. my or original plan was go up to Wisconsin and like go door to door the f- couple weeks before the election, but uh, yeah, that doesn't really seem like I, a thing. So so, <laughs> so let me tell you this though, I. In the last couple of weeks, I was I was doing some door-to-door canvassing for a ballot measure here in the city. And I've done canvassing before. I, you know, just, just know that, first of all, I'm not good at it. 
really don't like it for whatever reason. But I've done it. Yeah. This was easily the the best few canvassing sessions I've ever had in terms of people answering the door, talking. Because they're, they're, they're home. Pe- Where else people are, they are home be? and they want to talk to strangers. They like, haven't like, seen anybody in a while. You're somebody who doesn't live in my house. This is neat. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I, I wonder about the strategy of not, of not yeah, doing you direct may have a photo point. outreach. You um, may have a point. I don't know. We're, I, I think we're going to, we're going to be doing some calling and some texting. Um, we're going to work the polls. I think okay. that's something we're going to do. Um, it's a weird place to be in, in Illinois. You know, again, the fair tax amendment, hugely important for the state. But I'm also like, oh, all the national stuff. I want to go to Michigan, right? I want to, like, go knock on doors in Michigan. I want to yeah. take people to the polls in Michigan. Yeah. Um, or, or not. Yeah, I'm driving you to the polls. <laughs> Hop in. Uh, yeah, the polls are on the other side of that lake. Yeah, I'll just, pick you up later. Just, just right, or just sacrifice the car. I'll, I'll rent some Dodge Caravans and pick people up and <laughs> snatch just, them off the street. Just snatch them <laughs> off the street and right into Lake Michigan. Um, I, you know, so it's there's a lot to do. I think there are some good websites out there around that. So you know, Vote Save America is a good place to start if you're looking for something to do. They've got this adopt a state thing, and I'm not a big Pod Save America fan most of the time. I think you know, all right, they're doing God's work, but um, the Vote Save America is a really good resource, and I think that there are some good resources to find ways to get involved, um, and everybody should. Like it's hard, yeah. it's hard to get involved. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but it's time, you know. And I think the important thing is think about what you did in 2016. Just do more than that. Like you don't have, like you don't have yeah. to save the planet single-handedly. Uh, but if, but you, if do, you can, please do. Yeah, and record um, it. And but just do a little bit more than you did TikTok. last time. You know, donate a little bit more, work a few more hours. I know that when, you know, in 2016, I voted for Clinton, but did I raise a finger to really get her elected? No, I'll be honest. And so that my bad. <laughs> had I known, I would have done a little differently. And so that's what I'm definitely going to do this year. And so if, if you get the chance, you know, just do a little bit more than you did last time. Yeah. And ideally yeah. a lot more, but, you know. There it is. Riding with Biden. That's right. May hurt a build little bit to say back it. better? Is that the thing? I, I, I don't know. Back I, build better? I don't know. Building butter? Build your back baking better? Through. Makes the batter better? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't care what the taglines are. <laughs> Get people out. Talk just, to just, people. Just, just fucking win. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's all there is to it. All A right. Good session. It's good to be back in relative Our proximity. old school podcasting, audio only form. I, I mean, we're so far away, and this is important. The hand sanitizer is socially distant from us. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We don't. Yes, the hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer does not need to wear a mask. It's okay. That's fine. All right. So stay safe, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back again sometime soon. Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye bye.